Okay. So, tonight's Bible reading comes from 1 John 5, verses 1 to 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is, this is love for God. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is victory that, this is victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Aurora. Well, good evening and uh, welcome again and congratulations for making it this far. We are in 1 John chapter 5, the last chapter of 1 John. So you've done well to get this far and uh, I hope you're still excited. But I just want to give a word of caution as we enter this last section because John does a lot of summarising and things like that. And I don't know about you, but when I was a young person, I'd be like, oh, are you kidding me? Haven't we heard this before? Isn't this the same stuff? You know, and so even when we read through scripture, we might have a tendency just to go, you know what? He's already said this. Why is he saying it again? And we miss the lesson. We miss the teaching that could possibly be there. So I just want you to act like you've never heard this before, okay? I want you to think like uh, John's just giving you something new and see if you can engage with that. So John's message, in a way, has almost been cyclic. He's provided us with tests or ways of proving if we or someone else has eternal life. And he's given us things to look at so we can have assurance that we are actually the children of God. We can have assurance that we do have salvation. That gives us hope for eternity, that we're going to be with Jesus um, forever and ever uh, in a much better place than here. And these fit rather neatly into three categories. And, And these tests that we can do, one is the doctrinal test. It means that all true believers believe what is actually taught in Scripture. We believe this is the inerrant word of God. We trust it 100%. There's also the social test. The true believers love their brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what scripture has taught us, particularly what uh, John has been saying through John as well as in 1 John here. And uh, we love in such a unique way. We love in a way that's counter to the world. So when the world looks upon us, they're actually drawn to God because of the great love that his church shows to each other. And the final test is the moral test. And that is basically means that all true believers obey God, his commands and the word that we find in scripture. So these can also be called truth, love and righteousness. And so as John looks to conclude his letter, he wants to emphasize uh, our love for God and our love for others being evidence of that new birth that we actually have in Christ. But faith comes first. You can't just do the works and hope you're going to get into heaven. You must have faith first. Our eternal destiny pivots on who we believe Jesus to be, not how we love. And that is emphasized in this passage, as we'll see soon, faith first. And then from this faith comes our love for God and love for others. His love motivated him to send Jesus. Our love should motivate us to pursue God, to believe him and his word, to, have, to allow his love to throw flow flow you know the one with the f yeah flow through us to others 
and to seek to obey him. And when this is the pattern of our lives, when we constantly pursue God, even when we mess up, we'll be overcomers in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that it's just an incredible thing. It challenges, it equips, it empowers, it spurs us on to greater works with you. It speaks, Lord. And I just pray tonight that you'll speak to us, that you'll challenge us, and that we'll be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. I think throughout scripture there's many terms that is used to describe true followers of Jesus Christ and in my conversations with people and particularly when they know I'm a pastor you know they give you all the pastor's answers which my connect group knows better than to do that but we have these pastor's answers and we use different descriptors of us as Christians or disciplined followers of Christ but in general conversation I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they're an overcomer. And I wonder why when I look into this, I wonder why when we consider what John is actually saying to us. Because this is what John calls all believers. And if we claim it and believe it, I think it will be transformational for many of us. I think it will be something that actually changes our hearts and minds towards some of the struggles that we have. And first and foremost, John tells us that overcomers believe. And in these open, opening verses, John seeks to demonstrate the close relationship of faith and love in believers. And he again emphasizes that it is the faith in the person and the work of Jesus first and foremost. And he says to us in the first part, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. I don't know why that says B, it should say A. It just proves what a great night I'm having tonight, eh? But anyway... That's all right. And John's already said this, hasn't he? We've heard this before, so perhaps he doesn't need to mention it again. But this is the foundational truth of our salvation. This is what everything swings off. And it's not just belief in Jesus, but belief in who he is and what he's done. This is why he says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. It's important he puts Jesus and Christ together. He's not just talking about the man Jesus. He's not just talking about accepting him as a man. The hordes of hell believe in Jesus. The hordes of hell would not deny Jesus. But this is about Jesus meaning Saviour and Christ meaning Messiah. And Messiah or Christ being the promised anointed one of the Lord. This is talking about the two words together revealing who Jesus is. He's the one who feels, fulfills all of the prophecies. All that has been said about Messiah in the Jewish scriptures regarding the required sacrifice and consequent redemption that comes as a result of that. It says it is those who believe Jesus is the Christ who are born of God. Who's got the NIV? Do you want to just read that again for me? Someone read it out really loud. Anyone? Don't be shy. So the loves his child. 
is the difference. We'll get to that a little bit later, actually. I thought it was here. But some people take that to say um, that it's Jesus when it speaks about loves his child. It's not actually. It's speaking about all believers universally. The ESV actually translates that differently. And so you've just got to be a little bit cautious uh, with some of these things that aren't translated well between um, the original Greek and the, and the uh, English. But th- this is one thing that is actually a little bit different. And people take that to mean that Jesus was actually born. He wasn't eternal. And that's not what the scripture is saying at all because it's speaking about believers. So, sorry, I thought that was here now, but we'll get to that later. That's cool. So, John says we must believe Jesus is the Christ. And it says that those who believe Jesus is the Christ are born of God. John wants to make it clear that the new birth that we experience is initiated by God. It's not something that we do. It's something that God did. It is he who draws us through the power of Holy Spirit. He who reveals the truth of Jesus' identity through the same Spirit. And so the first part of this verse together talks that the true faith only comes to those who believe Jesus is the anointed Son of God, who came in the flesh, fully God and fully man. And John has said this before. And remember back in John 3.23, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. So John's emphasizing this again. And so we have to pause and say, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? You need to ask that of yourself. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Because there's no other option. If you want to be in glory in heaven, you have to believe that. That Jesus was fully man and fully God. And I've got to tell you, uh, as you know, I had my auntie's funeral recently. And uh, she was someone who was very close to us, more so than my parents. And I went to that funeral and, and the woman who gave the funeral, oh my goodness, I've, I've never heard anyone proclaim the gospel message so powerfully. And she said, people say that we will meet again on the other side. And she said, but that is not true. That's not what scripture says. That's not what Wilsey believed either. You have to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I was like, wow. I don't think I've even heard that outside a funeral. So forceful, let alone in a funeral itself. But that is the truth of the gospel message. The only way we're going to be in glory is if we believe that Jesus Christ is the promised one, the Messiah of God. There are no other options. So do you believe that? Quite frankly, if you don't, what are you going to do about it? We present this evidence week in and week out, and we can't force you. You have to make the choice and the decision yourself. I'd love to talk to you more. I'd love to pray with you. So if that's you, please come and talk to us. Jesus was with God for all eternity past. He was born into this world fully human. He lived and died. He rose from the dead and he's now interceding at God's right hand for each and every one of us. And one day, he's going to return. He's going to take us to be with him. That's going to be an awesome day. That's what true believers declare. That's what we believe. And it's those who believe this who are overcomers. But it's more than just believing. Overcomers also obey. Last week, you'll remember that John spent considerable time around the command for us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. In 1 John 4.20, he told us that if we claim to love God and yet hate our brother and sister, then we're liars. John said that, not Charlie, so don't come beat up on me. We cannot truly love God. John returns to this point in the second half of that first verse here. 
And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. This is the difference with that verse. Again, some say the born of him is referring to Jesus, but this refers to those who have come into a relationship with God, initiated or drawn by him through Holy Spirit. John's speaking about all believers. He's speaking about those who've been born of God. His entire point is, true believers will not only reflect on their love of God, but they'll reflect on their love for each other. And why will they do that? Because God has commanded, and they know that they have to do it in ever-increasing amounts. They know they have to love even the ones that seem unlovely, unlovable. And it's a command. True love for God is evident in our love for others. And we as believers are marked by our love. You need to understand that. It is something that sets us apart from the rest of the world. John quotes Jesus in John 13. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I want you to ask yourself, if my neighbours are looking in at the way I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, are they going to be so moved that they're like, I want to be like that. I want to understand what it is that causes them to love like that. The people around this building, if they look in at SDBC, will they go, wow, I want love like that. I, 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 want to, I want to know what it is they've got that allows them to do that, to love and care for each other in such a way. The world will know that we're following Jesus because of how we love. It's not optional. It's a command of Jesus. And it's something that John just keeps reminding us of. Remember 1 John 4.21, And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. And I don't believe John can make it any clearer. In this verse and in 1 John 5.1, Those who love God also love the children of God. They're inseparable. And Pastor Darrell this morning wanted to emphasize just how great this love is and how much God loves us and how we should love him and how the love between us and Jesus and God is fluid and it's all the same. And Pastor Darrell pointed to Acts 9 where Saul is blinded by the white light and laying on the ground and he said, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who was Saul persecuting? He wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting Jesus' followers. But they're one and the same. There's no difference in the two. And so as we are persecuted, those who persecute us are persecuting Jesus. The next step, my friends... If you persecute, if you hate on, if you don't love a Christian brother or sister, you're persecuting or hating on Jesus. We must understand that. And we must change. If we don't love God's children, we don't love God at all. It's simply not possible. With this point stated... John goes on to say how we may know we love the children of God. That's not it. Uh, Skipped one, sorry. So 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. John has said previously that true believers can be tested by the presence or absence of their love for fellow believers. But now he seems to be saying the opposite. 
where those who say they are believers can be tested by the love for God, which is demonstrated in how they obey him. And this is because all of what John has said goes hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. If you love God and are living in obedience to him, then you will love your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's obvious. You must love the family of God. All through scripture, it's clear that our faith is not just a declaration. Our faith is moved to action, an action in obedience to God. It's upon our declaration that we are immediately called to action. And, we, and how we live will demonstrate our true love for God. We should have an ever-increasing desire to live in obedience to God and all Jesus has commanded us to. Does that mean we're going to get it right 100% of the time? Heck no, I still don't. But the thing is, it should be our heart's desire. I want you to think about people like King David. King David was a man after God's own heart. Did he mess up? Big time. But the thing was, he wanted to honour God. He wanted to glorify God. And he constantly returned to God, regardless of what he'd done. And we are called to do the same. It's where your heart is. It's about a pointing to. It's about a direction. I want to follow Jesus. And yeah, I'm going to stumble and fall along the way. But I'm going to keep my eyes upon him. And when I do stumble and fall, I'm going to come back to him and ask him for, for forgiveness. And I'm going to accept that forgiveness. And I'm going to know that as far as the east is from the west, so he separated my sins from him. He won't remember them. Oh, yeah, I haven't got the verse up there. I was like, that doesn't look right. So in 5.3, it says, uh, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. The word keep there is a powerful word. It's a word about watching or guarding something that you value or treasure. And so when we talk about keeping his commandments, we're going to know when we mess up because we're so guarding our lives before him. We're so desiring to live for him that when we mess up, we're going to go straight back to him every day. And we're going to be refined we're going to want to conform to his will and purpose. We're going to become more and more like him each and every day. And that's going to be demonstrated in how we love and obey God and how we love others. The awesome thing is, we're not on our own in this. God wants us to succeed. He wants to help us. And I've said it, and it's true, and I'm sure you can rattle off people's names in your mind. There's some pretty unlovable people that we're called to love. This doesn't mean you're always going to be besties with everyone. But you have to love them. And so sometimes it's hard to obey. But all we need to do is ask God. We're told in Deuteronomy 30, for this, is, this commandment that I command you today is not hard for you, neither is it far off. And then Jesus says in Matthew 11, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Christian life seems so difficult sometimes, but I think it's because we strain and struggle under our own efforts. If we stop and submit to the Lord, if we ask him for his help, it becomes so much easier. You can say, you know, so many people say that that's not them, they can't do this, it's just so hard. It's because we're thinking in our own power and ability and Jesus has so much more power, so much more love, so much more grace, so much more endurance available to us. And it's him that says to us that we are overcomers. I'm not sure 
what you think about when you think of that word overcomer, but it literally means one who subdues, one who conquers, one who overcomes, one who prevails and gets the victory. And I know so many think that that's not them. Uh, I, I don't have the ability to do that. And the question is, are you going to believe what you think or are you going to believe what God says in his word? Are you going to believe what he calls each and every one of us as believers? Because he calls us overcomers. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. It's impossible to embrace the commandments and will of God without having faith in Jesus Christ first and foremost. When we declare that faith, accepting Jesus as Lord and Saviour, Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, each and every one of us. And we are born of God at that point. We are a new creation. It is his Holy Spirit who empowers and equips us to no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we're transformed each and every day to be more and more like Jesus as we submit to him. And it's been my experience that the Christian life is not always easy. In fact, it can be very difficult sometimes. But in the midst of the struggles, there is a joy, there is a hope, there is an assurance that I've never experienced in my life in any other field, any other way. It is only found in Jesus. And there's no place I'd rather be than in the middle of God's will and purpose for my life. When Jesus walked this earth, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The same word is used here in Jesus overcoming the world that John has used in 1 John 5, in verse 4. When he says he's overcome the world, what is Jesus referring to? He's talking about Satan's system. He's talking about those powers, those schemes, those temptations, those deceptions which would lead us away from truth, which would stop us from following Christ as we should. And Jesus not only broke the power of Satan, he smashed it. It's gone. It will never stand again. It's impossible for it to do so. The battle has already been won. You've heard dozens of people say that. We're just in the midst of the war. And so Satan is a defeated foe. And our faith in Jesus is first evidenced in our new birth into Christ. And then it becomes the very weapon by which we overcome the world. And the world being everything and everyone that does not stand for God. It's important to have that definition. Everything and everyone who does not stand for God. And as the born of God, we have union with Christ and his divine power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that I have in me. And as his children, we partake in everything that Christ has. His inheritance, his righteousness, his death, his resurrection, his spirit. Jesus Christ is the victor. And so are we because of what Jesus has done and because we've accepted him. 
And in case we still doubt that, John finishes that this section with this. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Our faith in Jesus is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. Our God-man is what gives us the victory. And this is an ongoing daily practice and decision. Let's not be led astray. Let's hold fast to the truths that we know. Let's hold fast to the confession that we've made. I've said this many times. Remember to that time when you prayed to Jesus and asked for him to forgive your sins and you knew you were forgiven. Hold fast to that. No one can take that from you. Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. He is the fulfilment of Scripture. Each of us need to claim this foundational truth and we need to exercise our victory. We've been given a great offensive weapon. It's here. Is yours shining because it gets used? Because you keep it close to hand? Because you rely on it to guide you? Or is it rusty and unused? Little children... You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Lord, I find your message this evening challenging. It challenged me before I presented it this evening. And God, I'm weak. And we're weak and we doubt. We haven't seen you and we struggle at times to believe what your word says. Father, will you help us to remember that first step of faith we made when we knew our sins were forgiven? And will you let us claim the promises in your word and what it actually says, particularly tonight, Lord, where we are overcomers. That's exactly what you tell us, Lord. And that when we have given our lives to you, when we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, Lord, that is the power of God in us, Lord, that allows us to be overcomers in this world. Lord, let us not be a defeated people. Let us not focus on the difficult things, the bad things that happen in our lives, but let us focus on the finished work of Christ on the cross, knowing our forgiveness in him and returning to him again when we need to, Lord, but desiring each and every day to move closer to him. Father, please speak to us this evening. Help us, Lord, to wrestle with this. And go from here, knowing that we are those overcomers. And Lord, if there's anyone who needs to speak to me or to be prayed for this evening, please let them come forward. Let them ask for that. And let us gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging each other in the faith, building each other up, I pray. And Father, as we each head into this week, May you go with us and before us, strengthening us each and every day, reminding us to read your word. And may we live in a way 
that brings glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, one and all. Um, I'm just going to throw these down again, and you can come and grab them as you're ready. Uh, please gather in small groups and um, share these questions. If you want to take them home with you too, that's fantastic. Uh, see if you can sit with someone that you don't know so well this time. Amen. God bless. Thanks, guys.